My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Oh, we gay man, we love to talk about our junk downstairs. We compare, we're size queens, we think everything happens for, well, a reason. Well, we hope so, but then what if those nether regions start not working properly or suddenly something happens we gay men freak the fuck out and sometimes as we should be but what do you do where do you get support do you isolate do you just only talk to your doctor do you not lean into your friends well bitches sometimes you gotta like lean into where you can get some help support and all that good stuff and what better way than to remind you as we kick off into the new year that taking care of you is one of the most important things you can do especially when it comes to your health and i know some of you are like girl you're preaching to the choir well we're gonna preach to the choir today and i found a guy who i just love what he's doing he has taken his own journey and he has turned it into a support space and he's not afraid to talk about it. That's the reason he's here today. His name is Kenneth A. Johnson, and he is a survivor of cancer. He's continuing his journey. He is a guy who is very much into helping people. He's been part of the Atlanta Pride Committees, Black and White Men Together in Atlanta, and now he lives in D.C., DC and he's doing some pretty amazing work in the area of... Well, I'll let him tell you about it. So, Kenneth, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm so happy to have you here on 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. And um, thank you for being willing to come talk about something that guys don't necessarily want to talk about. So, uh, so true. Thank you for the invite. Glad to be here. Well, of course, of course. So this is how this works. It's your show now. I shut the fuck up and you just take over. No, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, I would say don't do that because I will. Okay, well, that's fine. I, trust me, after all these shows, I'm like, sure, if I get somebody to take over this sometimes, I'm just like, whatever. So um, but yeah, let's kind of talk about your yeah. journey. And since sure. I didn't really tell the listeners what we're talking about, they're probably like, what is going on here? We need to know. So yeah. um yeah, kind of give us start into your story. Sure. I know it started back in 2016. Yes. So 2016, I was 50 years old, diagnosed with prostate cancer, caught via um, a blood test. And a blood test where my PSA, um, prostate-specific antigen, was elevated. Uh, you know, And that was the only time I've ever been called young at 50 was when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer because... Mm-hmm. You know, the doctor says, typically, this is something we see in older men. So, you know, at 50, you know, you're kind of on the on the early uh, edge of this you know, right. typical spectrum of age. And but fortunately for me, I had a doctor in Atlanta. Gay, I had a gay doctor in Atlanta who said to me, as an African-American man, you are at higher risk of developing prostate cancer. So we need to start screening earlier than we would normally recommend for the general population. So he actually started uh, doing PSA screenings with me at 45. And so at that point it was, you know, in a normal range, but over time it started to increase. And by the time I moved here to, to uh, Washington, DC, you know, his last words to me was when you get there, schedule an appointment with a urologist, you need to follow up and see what's going on. 
And so I did a biopsy, found cancer. Doctor said, yep, you know, you've got cancer. And, wow. uh, and then he told me to go home and uh, get my wife and make an appointment and come back so we could talk about treatment options. And I changed doctors. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was just one of those moments where it's like, okay, yeah, you don't know who I am. <laughs> I, you don't get me. You don't even have any idea what's going on. And, and then I think that's something that we as gay men, we all kind of contend with, you know, is finding that either gay physician or yeah. <clears throat> a team of gay physicians or just a gay friendly doctor. Right. You know, and I'm not even sure it's gay friendly, like just really compassionate. I mean, my doctor's pretty cool, even though sometimes I'm like, you're a freaking bozo, man. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it's something that we struggle with. And then when something like this, like this is a big like, OK, wow, this shit's hitting the fan, you know. Yeah. And um, so tell take us a little bit into like you got that and you kind of said, OK, so, I got to go find a new doctor. What's our right, so, really quickly? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So I found another another urologist, you know, consulted, you know, actually did, you know, kind of went and got second opinions, you know, just discussed treatment options. And that's when the age thing kept coming up. You're only mm. 50. You're only 50. You know, the, the recommended course of treatment is removing your prostate, you know, because of the it, you know, likelihood of reoccurrence if we right. go with one of the other therapies, which would, you know, be just radiation or radiation seed implants. Those things, you know, yeah, could fry the cancer in the moment, but, you know, there's just a greater likelihood of, you know, reoccurrence because the prostate is still there in some, in some form. So found another doctor, had surgery, uh, had it removed, you know, thought, the, thought we were good. You know, the doctor said, surgeon said, margins looked good. All you know, were fine. That was in April of 2016. And then had that first blood test about three months after surgery. And uh, he calls me as I'm driving to the Costco to tell me, well, your PSA is not zero, which means that there's still cancer present. And so mm. that required going through what they refer to as salvage radiation. You know, in the meantime, you know, I had felt like I'd sort of recovered, you know, my because, you know, first symptom after or after effective treatment is you're incontinence, you know, you're trying right, to hold right. your urine, you know, so I'd kind of gotten over that very quickly and we have urinary control, you know, was trying to work with sexual function, you know, I'm, you know, they gave me some low dose Viagra right out the gate, you know, so as soon as, you know, I was, had the catheter out after a week, it's like, okay, we need to start getting some blood back into the old penis here. Right, so, right. you know, it's like, okay, let's, even if I don't feel like masturbating, we're going to jack off today. Just <laughs> what this is like, because it's therapeutic. This is for medicinal right, right. purposes. Right. <laughs> this is part of the recovery. And, uh, not so what I they did. taught us, you know, in, in Sunday school is like, no, that'll <laughs> cause you to go blind. Now it's like, this will save your life. Yes. So, Exactly. Or at least hopefully oh. save some of your sexual function. Because well, at that exactly. point, it was about trying to try and to just say, well, will I be able to have sex again? And, uh, right. Let's try to kind of get that going. And, uh, and so it was, you know, uh, that whole cycle, that first, I'd say for a year, then because I had radiation later that same year, it was just all about recovering from cancer, mm -hmm. just about recovering from cancer and cancer surgery. And I will say I was not sick until I had treatment. I had no mm -hmm. symptoms, you know, so it was purely by blood work. So my only thing I was dealing with then were, were the after effects of treatment mm. and which was really tough mentally to deal with. It's like, I felt fine. Right. I felt just fine having a good old mm. time, but that that's no. so interesting though, because I've seen this in guys in other arenas of life too. It's like, okay, I was fine. 
Then once we started this, then the treatment happens and suddenly I don't feel like myself. And, and of course, sometimes it's adjusting, you know, medications, and all that stuff, but it's also like a mental mind fuck. I mean, let's just yeah. get real about this, you yes. know, and whether you're gay or a straight guy, I think that thought of losing that ability to have sexual pleasure and enjoy mm-hmm. sex and all of that, it's a real mind blow. Mm-hmm. you know and not in a good way no <laughs> I mean, no it's no. not a good blow at all not the good blow no 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 <laughs> but um so as you started like like okay so this might be where i'm at yeah you know what happened with like confidence and possibly wanting to date or even going well, out and hooking up what started yeah. happening for you well you know b- about three months before diagnosis i started dating someone a new person mm. and we started dating and we were taking things kind of slow in the whole sexual department and so right. we were you know and so and then this diagnosis comes and it was i was really torn it's like i'm in this new relationship you know dealing with something that could really you know zap the whole ability to have sex and right. didn't quite know what to do with that and it, it was just a really awkward situation to be in awkward for me awkward for him you know when you're when you're in a relationship with another man who was my, you know, around my same age, you know, of course, you know, he's thinking, well, I don't want to, you know, he's sensitive to my what situation, didn't want to talk about it, didn't know what to say, you know, but wanted to be supportive, you know, didn't know exactly where to go with the whole sex thing. So we just didn't have sex, which pissed me off later on down the road when I thought my last few months of truly being sexually myself, I wasted on in a, in a dating situation and I was just kind of down the road, really ticked at myself, you know, for kind of being in that position. Well, Um, and it does put you in a weird position because it's like, you know, okay. So I can relate to this to some degree. So September, end of September, 2021, husband and I went off to Provincetown for our 20th anniversary, like cool celebrating all this sort of stuff. At the end of the, well, kind of towards the end of the trip. So we got there on a Saturday. So Thursday night, I started having like the tremendous pains in my, my junk. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I couldn't decide because it was nausea and everything. I've had kidney stones before. So I'm very aware of what could possibly be happening. But I'm like, this doesn't, I don't know. This isn't happening that way. Right. Yeah. Well, fat, long story short, that's what it was, was a kidney stone. So, you know, we finished the week in P-Town. I had to go to Florida for a trip. He needed to get home for work. And I don't want any of you bitches listening to this going, your man left you. And like, <laughs> yes, he left me. We're, we're, we're solid in our relationship here. And so I went to the ER in Boston and everything. And they put me on some tramiflin or something like that. Well, suddenly I'm like, okay, I know I still have this damn stone. Mm waiting for it to pass. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't even jerk off. I mean, nothing's happening. I get hard, but yeah. nothing's coming out. I'm like, Oh my God, that little mind fuck right there alone. Mm. And then suddenly what I've found out <laughs> like two, three weeks after the fact that I'm on this damn medication and everything, I go to see the urologist when I got home, he goes, Oh yeah, that's typical. That's a side effect of the drug. He goes, you can get off that. You don't need I'm like, Oh, thank God. I thought I was never going to come again, you know, <laughs> but it, it's interesting how you, you get it that the new guy was like yeah. trying to like be nice about this, but then you kind of freak out in your own head too, because it's yeah. like, 
And then suddenly, even if you do want to like, let's, let's go for it. All this stuff, you know, I was up in my head so much about this when this was happening. It was crazy. Yes. Yeah. And I will say too, when you're, when your junk isn't functioning the way you want it to, you can't fake it. There's no, there's no faking it. You know, there is no fake until you make it. Not (laughs) in these situations, you know. Oh, that's just you're just trying to sleep beside somebody, and you know, just not nothing's happening. You're not feeling it, and of course, you know, he's going to take it personally. Even though you know, you know, you can talk about it all you want, it's still you know, we're all emotional beings, and it's like, yeah, this is just not happening. You know, so we tried. We know we've dated for probably another year or so, but no, it just we ended up i just i just couldn't do it i couldn't get past it you know and, and I, i've in hindsight i feel really badly you know putting him through all i did but i was like i've got to get out of this situation you know because i just can't try to manage dating and relationship and trying to figure out what kind of sexual person am i now i just right. can't couldn't just couldn't do it all at the same time so i got out of that you know? but i also feel like in those situations that's you taking care of yourself too. Like Mm. I've got to do this to kind of figure this out because then you can't be with someone else. It's like, if anything, you know, if anything like this comes along, I mean, I broke my wrist last year in Mm. 2021 too. It's right out the gate. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, okay. We're here in 2022. Good. We're past the date that happened. So let's not start this year the same way. But even then I'm like, I'm like, God, I'm so freaking horny, you know? Mm. And it's like, of course, it was my dominant hand. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's the one that I, you know, mm-hmm. have the nice little like pleasure sessions with myself or with my hubby or whatever. Yet again, I had to give myself some space there too. Like, okay, well, you're just, you're temporarily here, get over it, figure out other stuff right. and whatever that might look like. So as someone who's in that space, what did you find started happening for you as soon as you said, okay, I got to walk, I got to walk away from this. I got to try doing something else. What started to happen for you in your life? Uh, Look, sought out support, looked for a support group, you know, and went to one at a, at a local hospital just to hearing of people's other, other men's experiences, you know, and one of, and one of the things I'll ever remember in that first meeting, someone, a guy said he had buyer's remorse. He had had been Mm. treated. Yes. He was alive but he didn't have sex and he had some buyer's remorse. And when he said that, I was like a light bulb went off in my head. It's like, yeah, that's kind of how it feels. It's like, yeah, I want to be fucking alive. I want to be alive, but I also want to be myself. And I don't feel like I am who I I was. You know, there was was the Kenneth before cancer and there's a Kenneth now. And I got to figure out what this Kenneth now can do and what feels good to this Kenneth. And, uh, And so that was the, you know, just hearing that was just a really affirming thing to think I'm not the only one who feels this way. Right. But I I hear this a lot of times with guys too, that are diabetic because diabetic Mm. that can affect your sex life as well. It can cause you to have erectile dysfunction, all this sort of stuff. And some guys just freak the fuck out. Mm. And I'm like, well, have you talked to anybody about this? Are you like, you know, are you talking to your diabetic consultant? Are you in a support group? Oh no, no. I don't want anybody to know about this. I don't want Mm. anybody to know. I'm like, well, <laughs> bitch, then that's on you. I mean, I don't say that, but I kind of do in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's it's like, I, I guess I'm set because A, I'm a coach, number one. And number two, I feel like there's such positive things that come from when you're with like-minded people. Yes, yes. Oh, for sure. And then, but, but the difference was in that particular support group, it was straight men. 
and yeah, they yep. also had your and they have wives there and for a good portion of the session the wives are asking questions the wives right. are talking and everything is about vagina you know how you penetrate a vagina 101 you know i want my husband to penetrate my vagina again and after a while i'm like okay this just isn't cutting it so but thank god for gaydar because mm-hmm. i i i found in that group hey we're, i'm not the only guy in here not talking about a wife and right. we found each other and that's when things tr- tr- took a real turn in finding a, a community of gay men who also had experienced prostate cancer or were somewhere in that journey. And there were four of us in that group. And we decided, let's meet for dinner and talk about what we're dealing with. And that's how things started with our group. You know, so it's interesting. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording this. This is exactly how this podcast came into being. Mm. It was originally designed because I've done work with lots of guys in life. And I'm like, you know, I really want to be that voice to men coming from a gay perspective, but like helping men in general, like get over their bullshit, get into their vulnerable space, be who they are, own who they are. And, you know, a gay guy can help, you know, a lot of guys do this. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, this was 40 plus real men, real talk. Mm. And then in the midst or right at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, yeah, 2020, um, I started noticing that when I started a chat group, like a zoom group so that we could all stay connected, that everybody who showed up was gay men. And finally I said, okay, <laughs> explain to me, please. Are you guys actually listening to this podcast? And they're like, yeah, as long as it's got gay content. And I had lots of great guys. I mean, I had a lot of great guys on that were very, you know, good buddies of mine, straight guys, gay guys. But even the straight guys were like very much, you know, like they were contributing in a way that like anybody could relate. Mm. And I thought, you know, this is interesting. Why, why the guy who's the coming out coach and the gay man's life coach, why didn't I just like dial it in? Like, oh, wait, if I make this all about guys over 40 who are gay, mm. it's going to be a whole different experience, which is really what you're saying. It's like, as soon as you found your people. Yes then there were things you could talk about like, okay, but when I'm fucking somebody up the ass, what's going to happen now? Or can uh-huh. I even get an erection can, to do right. this? You know, <laughs> right. You know, and, and which isn't okay. It isn't much different than a vagina, but it is, you know, yeah. there's like the, and there's mm-hmm. this mind game too, for us mm-hmm. gay guys. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. So as you started to have, you know, you had the dinner and everything, it feels like, things started to happen and you're like, hmm, yes. got something yeah. here. We got something here and we created a group and found a, a found a meeting space initially it was a restaurant, but then we found another a group of, well, a space here in, a, in DC. It's that's a cancer support organization. Uh, facility you know mm-hmm. and it's a it, slash art center it's called the smith healing center and they do a lot of support groups for ca- different cancers but we they didn't have anything for prostate cancer particularly nothing dealing with gay men and so we were kind of the first first of the, our of our kind in the organ in their in their operation so that's been our meeting place where we can cut we well prior to the pandemic obviously we would come together once a month you know, and whatever is on folks, we've got to do a, I do a round robin. I kind of became the de facto facilitator mm-hmm. just, um, and so we would just do a round robin. Hey, what's going on with folk? And we had folks coming in who were just diagnosed and just had questions, what to expect. We had mm-hmm. folks, some guys who'd had prostate cancer 15 plus years ago, and we're still dealing with, this is, you know, who I am and 
it, there's still struggles and and right. wanting to finally kind of connect with some other men around this gay men around this topic and then you know those of us more recently dealing with it who you know we're just trying to experience hey what medicine has been working for you? Does Viagra work for you? Does Cialis work for you? Um, right. One guy just said, well, you know, I signed up and bought a penis pump and he brought in his penis pump. You know, he didn't do a demonstration, but he passed it around so everybody could kind of get, you know, familiar with that mm -hmm. as a you know, device and talk through right. that kind of stuff. You know, all the things that what you could, couldn't feel comfortable doing perhaps in a mixed orientation group where you may have been editing yourself. It's like, hey, I don't necessarily want to sit here and talk to straight men about, right. you know, yeah, taking it up the ass or, right. or, or fucking exactly. someone in the ass, you know, just because it's like, oh, you know, then they'll never get beyond that, you know, let right. alone. The, right. you know, well, and that's the thing with. is that I think that's one of the things, you know, it was really interesting. A few years ago, I did a retreat in um, Bermuda mm. and it was with a bunch of a bunch of coach guys that I'd gotten to know and it was gay and straight. And um so when we got to the retreat, it was very interesting. It was like 50% gay, 50% straight. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to play. I really mm -hmm. don't know. I mean, I was in my, I'm like, okay, Rick, just go with it. Be in your good space with this. And it was actually pretty freaking amazing how within like less than 24 hours, suddenly we were like a brotherhood. But mm -hmm. even in that brotherhood, there were moments where you could just see a certain people got really uncomfortable with like, the intimacy that would be talked about in certain things. And, and that yeah. was the whole point of this retreat was, you know, like really helping men get into their vulnerable space, gay or straight. But I can see that point too, that you're bringing up, like there's something, uh, even within our own community, <laughs> mm -hmm. but there's something about being able to talk openly and to like, just like, Hey, let me share this. In fact, a couple yeah. of years ago, it's probably been, well, actually probably about the same, around the same time as that retreat, I was doing another men's weekend and a father and a son showed up for not a daddy son, a father and a mm -hmm. son showed up <laughs> for this retreat. And he, the father mm -hmm. discovered at age 14. Okay. So girls get ready to clutch your pearls here. <laughs> he discovered at age 14, mm. he had ED. And has been living with it his entire Whoa. life. Well, now there is, and I don't, I'm not, I couldn't even begin to tell mm -hmm. you the technical terms and everything. So then his son got up and I didn't realize they were part of the pre presenters and son got up and said, and I want to share with you guys that I've inherited the same DNA and all this from my dad. Mm. So I'm talk about a powerful conversation. Of course, every mm. guy sitting in that room, like freaking out, like, Oh my yeah. God, at 14, you're never going to be able to get an erection. They talked about the penis pump and all this sort of mm -hmm. stuff. But the beauty of being able to a have a conversation to me has got to be life-changing yes. in and of itself. Yes. Yes. So what I'll is, be, what do you felt like the benefits have been like being able to have this group at this point? Uh, well, one of the key benefits is being able to just ask questions and, it, you know, very, very honest and direct questions. And I will say, you know, even, you know, now that we're, you know, doing all this via Zoom, as we have been for, you know, for the last year and a half, you know, I have to be very intentional, even in the facilitation of the conversation to not shy away from the hard stuff. You know, we have mm -hmm. to be able to talk about sex. We have to be able to talk about, you know, the mechanics of it, you know, the, the emotions of it, you know. Because the hobby's fight is like it's amazing how we'll, we'll be we're quicker to suck a dick than we are to talk about one. 
mm-hmm. you know, in that in a real serious kind of way. Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. you, know <laughs> you know, it's like the guys, you know, it's like I'll suck your dick, but I won't kiss you. Um, you know, it's just like okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, we know we have to get. We I'm have quite to sure I get that one, but bring you know, that one. <laughs> we have okay, to. You and I are good. I can show we'd be good friends because we're both on the same page. I'm like, I always like. Okay, okay. Um, not sure about that. Now, if you said, okay, I, I, I'll eat your ass, but I won't kiss you. I'm like, okay, well, even that's a little bit like, I'm like, <laughs> but I, it is such an interesting thing because I just find it so much, even in our own community. So like, I, I, anytime I hold like a, like 40 plus talk around anything sexual, I mean, I get tons of guys showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. And they all shut the fuck up and don't want to say anything. I'm like, girls, <laughs> why are we here then if you're not right. going to talk about this i mean right. i can only do so much you know yeah but uh yeah i think that's no, amazing it... that that's the results you're getting too though mm-hmm. oh i mean it, it it is one of those things that you know obviously as we get to know each other we get more comfortable and people do open up and share you know but it still is something that you know and i know part of it is that you know you know, generations of shame around sex and, sure. you know, just, I mean, all that, all that stuff doesn't go away. You know, I mean, even just the whole notion of, you know, coming out to your doctor, even that is still an issue for a lot of folk, you know, so, you know, we, we, we have a lot of those hurdles that are, have to be overcome, even to have, you know, honest conversations. But once we do, you know, we really are there for one another. And if there's a silver lining in my experience, it's been, in the friendships that have developed through the support group. And Mm -hmm. these are guys that I probably would never have crossed paths with in any other forum, you know, I mean, socially, we, you know, maybe would have, we would have been in the same bar, but perhaps not, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just because of, you know, people's interests, you know, if somebody's a leather guy, then, you know, go to their bar, you know, black folks, we have go at one bar, you know, it's just all, all of the, all those things kind of come into play. But now, you know, we're a couple of the guys, you know, I make a point of, you know, we call one another between meetings. Yeah. What are you going through? You got to, you know, we get a doctor's appointment. Hey, how'd things go at the doctor? What, what were your numbers? How, you know, just, that kind of follow up that someone gay or straight who has not had cancer perhaps isn't necessarily going to be as in tune to or even right. want to ask about out of fear. You know, a lot of folks don't, you know, you bring up the word cancer and, you know, you want to talk about a death knell to a conversation, you know, just talk, oh yeah, I've got cancer. You know, no one really wants to have a whole lot of conversation about that, you know, you know, so the, con- the that you can is just, it's, it's a godsend. But I, I also feel like there's so much good stuff you just packed into this conversation. I think a lot of this for gay men, number one, mm-hmm. is we've been shamed so much into not talking about who we are. Mm-hmm. So then you bring anything to do with sex, sexuality, penises, eating ass, kiss, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, can't talk about this. Well, then suddenly you go, well, then <laughs> no freaking surprise that you're having really big issues in your relationships, right? Mm-hmm. We've been told you don't talk about this stuff. Then suddenly you're in a doctor's office and it's like, okay, well, you know, and then I, I mean, I, I get it. I know the uncomfortable, like, okay, so, you know, let's talk about your sex life. So, and then if it's not a very well, mm-hmm. a, a practitioner who doesn't know how to like navigate this really well. So like, if they say, you know, well, let's talk about sex life with your partner. Okay. They, then you kind of know they're kind of like, okay, they're trying to 
do this the right way. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go like, well, let's talk about sex life with your wife, you know? But I think it's interesting to see how this just snowballs. And then suddenly the things we can't talk about become the mm. things we should be talking about. And it's been interesting to watch even my 40 plus group zoom chats that happen once a month. It's been interesting to see guys like show up mm. and keep showing up. And then suddenly here we are, we have this community, not huge, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's about, well, I, I know the downloads of this podcast, like there's about five to 6,000 downloads a month. So that's a pretty big mm-hmm. community who mm-hmm. shows up for the calls is 30 to 50 guys, depending on the week, but that connection and yes. realizing you got to be connect. Well, okay. You don't have to, but mm-hmm. in my world, you got to be connected and you got to be open to help move yourself through this. Yes. Oh my gosh. You, you do. And, that, and c- connected in a way that, you know, really feeds who you are and helps right. you, you know, because I mean, we could have a lot of disingenuous connection, mm-hmm. you, know, exactly. you know, or, you know, or superficial connection, you know, right. but to have, you know, a connection on a level that truly is supporting you and where you need the support. Right. You know, and, and, and to even ask for the support, you know, we have mm-hmm. to get comfortable with asking, you know, and mm-hmm. bringing ourselves to that point of saying, Hey, you know, I can't handle this. You know, I am, 60 years old, I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. I've been treated with prostate cancer and I'm single. And mm-hmm. if my prostate cancer metastasizes, who's going to take care of me? Because yeah. I'm alone. Yep. Who's going to feed my cat if yep. I'm in the hospital? Yep. There's you know. so many of these things I don't think we as humans, number one, really think about. And number two, think about, okay, but this is why I should try to be more social, mm. create a circle of friends. And I know it's tough. I mean, especially this day and age is really tough to try to create social circles because one day we're free to walk about the planet and next day we're not. But I also feel that if you can find ways to just start to create connections and what you're doing with your group and everything is a great way because it's not easy. It's like the guys who come to my coming out chats. You know, it's very mm. vulnerable to be on those chats and, and there's even a risk, you know, because I don't keep, I don't keep anybody from joining. I do watch for like, is there somebody lurking? That's just going to like, you know, but then I also go look at it this way. <laughs> it take a whole lot for somebody like, okay, I'm going to out somebody from those calls. It's like, you have to know where they are or their Instagram, Facebook, you know, all this sort of stuff. Right. But that vulnerability to show up mm-hmm. is also that beautiful and I'm going to use the term cry for help, mm. which yeah. I think it is a beautiful cry for, I need some support. I need some help. Yeah. And as men, unfortunately, we have that energy. I can do this. I'm a, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yet there's so much beauty in saying, Hey, I don't know what to do. Right. I need some help. So I'm curious in your world of cancer Mm -hmm. and especially the prostate focus and everything. What is the hardest thing to get a guy to open up about? I think one of the hardest things is dealing with getting to open up about how lonely it can feel. Mm. We don't like to acknowledge the loneliness part of it. Um, And, and, and also, you know, the question of about love, because, you know, I think the other thing with, with, when you, when doctors talk about prostate cancer, there's an assumption that you're not single. 
you know, so, you know, no one's going to talk to you about, well, as a person who wants to date, you want to find love. How does, what does that look like? Or are you just basically saying at this point in my life, it's, it's no longer on the table, you know, and, you know, it, and that's just, it is heavy stuff. It's really heavy to try to even go through the, the thought process around that. It's like, yeah. oh my God. You know, I mean, we may think it to ourselves. I mean, I mean, shoot, we'll think it to ourselves after a bad date. Oh, right. you know, fuck this. I'm not dating anybody <laughs> else again. I'll just, you know, I'm going to get a dog, cat, and a couple of plants and call this a day. You know, exactly. but, but in, real, in reality, we know that in the back of our minds, we still have a kernel of hope that we'll be able to find love. And then you throw something like this in. It's like, oh, what does this mean in the way of my search for love? Well, Exactly. You know, and, 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 you know, we can, okay, let's just romance this thing on the big screen. You know, there's mm. always the movie that's like, they fall in love with the cancer victim or the person who, you know, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. okay. Beautiful sentiments. Yeah. But let's get real people that, that there's a bunch of bullshit there. Like the mm-hmm. first thing, I mean, it's kind of like, and again, I love, okay. I love all my gay listeners. You know, I love you bitches a whole lot, but if we can't even like, if we can't stop ourselves from swiping right on the apps because it's not pretty mm. enough, what are you going to do when somebody says, so, Hey, this is really good, but I need to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I have cancer, yeah. you know? Right. And I know that's not easy. I can't mm. even imagine, you know, I'm like, I'm old. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, mm. well, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 58. And then suddenly they scurry off, you know, not that I'm looking for anything, but you know, yeah. Let's oh, be yeah. real. We have some fun every once in a while. Sure. Um, but it's such an interesting space to play in to go. How do I navigate love? How do I mm-hmm. navigate my own emotions? How do mm-hmm. I see myself now for who I am? How do I plan my, my, for my future, especially if I'm a single individual? Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's no wonder that <clears throat> the bomb yeah. just dropped and life right. is like one fucked up bowl of cherries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a, that can be a really dark place. I mean, it, it, to accept that, you know, and, and deal with the, the mourning, mourning or grieving yep. what you were hoping would happen, what you would hope, mm-hmm. you know, and then having to accept a new reality. Right. You know, that's, that's, you know, that means talking about one stage, stages of grief and all. I mean, something has died. Right. Something has died. Something has died. Exactly. And you've yeah. got to now mourn that and move on. And some people can't, some people get stuck. I'm so glad you said that. And, uh, you know, okay. So the big guy upstairs hands us stuff. What we need to say most, but I don't think until you've learned how to grieve until you've learned how to grieve Mm. your own coming out journey in a really big way, like, okay, grieve what you thought you were, move through that, embrace it Mm -hmm. and move into life. And it maybe doesn't have to be the coming out journey, but I always feel like that's where it kind of starts for us game in. And we have to learn to grieve what we lost, Mm -hmm. move in. And we see again, bitches, I love you. I love you. But some of you don't ever go through that grief process because suddenly you have to be fabulous and all this stuff. Not that I'm knocking anybody who wants to be fabulous, but sometimes I feel like that is truly like I haven't dealt with my shit yet. Mm -hmm. What I've learned in coaching and in my own personal experience is when I finally grieved my old self that I let go of after I came out at 36 and got divorced and all that sort of stuff, it helped me manage all this other stuff that comes along that you have to grieve again. Yeah. Every step of the way. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm grieving that I cannot get into those size 34 pants anymore. I mean, <laughs> honey, that is not fun to do, but, but oh. it's also the same stuff. And, and I think this is why having a support group or having somewhere you can go to, because it is, it's a grief thing. I talked to a friend of mine who just recently got um, told that he was diabetic and he's mm-hmm. flipping out. I'm like, okay, first of all, girlfriend, part of what you got, you can actually control Right, because he's just barely over. Mm. So we can change the diet, we can exercise, we can do all this sort of stuff. But he's like, I'm just my life is done. I'm like, okay, but when else in your world did you feel like your life was done? And he goes, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, bitch, I know you well enough (laughs) that when you came out of the closet, it was not pretty. And I didn't say it, but I tried to lovingly say it. And you still haven't really dealt with that. So you got to learn to grieve, because on the other side of grief is the rebirth and the moving forward. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and that includes then part of that rebirth and moving forward is accepting a new sexual reality. You know, Mm -hmm. what is, what does my sex life look like from this point forward? You know, what does bottoming feel like if you don't have a prostate where we talk about part of the joy of bottoming is the pleasure of the prostate. So you take that away. You've taken a pleasure center away. So what does that, how does that feel? You know, what happens with sex when you do not ejaculate, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. It, it's it like, sucks. oh, there's nothing to play with. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, there's no cleanup involved, but yeah, but that was part of it too. Well, and again, you know, it was really, it truly was freaking me out when that was happening. It's like, okay, how can I be rock hard? Mm. And there's pre-cum, not a lot, not like mm-hmm. I used to. And then suddenly it's like, uh, 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 and nothing happened. I'm like, Oh, this is the beginning of the, that's literally mm. what I'm thinking. It's like, this is the beginning of the end. You're about to like enter the twilight zone and your sex life. is. But I'm so glad I had that. Ex- I know that sounds crazy guys. That I'm saying I'm so glad I had that experience because it just prepared me for like, you know, Hey, I'm aging. I get mm. this now. Okay. So now what else can I do to find pleasure? Mm-hmm. You know? And, yeah. and I don't know. I've, I've found lots of, I mean, I'm, I'm fully functional right now, but I'm like, I'm starting to find lots of other stuff that, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, hey, let's figure this out. In fact, there was a, so when all this was happening, there was an interesting show, um, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop on Netflix, where she mm-hmm. did this whole sexual like thing where she explored these sexual ways to be more sexual. And I was really bummed because it's like, okay, you had, you had two sets of lesbians. You had some straight, where were the mm. gays? Where were the mm. gays? You should have represented Gwyneth. Um, but it was really interesting because there was one couple that, did worked with this gal her name's jaya in los angeles and so i now really started following her where it was all about five types of sexual pleasure and it's like oh i really needed to see that because there was like the energetic and then there was the kink and then there was like the i can't remember the other ones those two stuck out in my mind but it's like there's so many ways to have sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. but we just don't talk about that no no, or even all find ourselves all that willing to explore it because we're exactly. so at least for as men, we're so, particularly as gay men, we're so penis yeah. focused. Yeah. We're so penis focused. Even if you're bottoming, you're, there's still some expectation that you're you've got a hard dick. Well, yeah, you know, you mean, know if so, you're a bottom, it's like you better have something that gonna pleasure that. So right, you know, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's so, other things like they brought up a whole lot about playing with toys and everything in those mm, segments, and it's like you know, some people are like, but that's not the same. It's not, I'm like, well, if you can't get it any other way yeah why not no. right it's not the same but it could be different and better in some ways exactly. if you just if you're willing to explore it 
I know. I know. And it is very interesting to, in fact, one of my friends, she's a speaker, <clears throat> little bitty gal, little, I mean, she's just a spitfire. I think she's all like maybe five foot six or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she speaks at colleges and universities on lots of subjects, but she mm-hmm. speaks on like sex and safe sex and all that. And, um, she always talks about, yeah, it's so funny to go through the checkpoints at the airport because every time my bag goes through, it gets opened and here's all the toys and everything. And, and they're kind of like, and what is it you doing with all? She's like, I'm a sex educator. So, you know, I don't want this stuff getting like damaged on, in the belly of the plane, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it's just that ability to like, okay, let's go explore, which is such an interesting thing, Kenneth, I think in gay guy to gay guy. It seems like we're so willing as gay men to like, okay, we're going to push the envelope. We're going to go out there and be who we are. And then suddenly, well, but we're kind of like straight guys sometimes like, well, if we can't fuck a a butt and Mm -hmm. if we can't jerk a penis off, there's no sex. And like, really? (laughs) And I know we have the leather community and the king community and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes it doesn't even have to go to those levels. It's like, well, what else pleasures, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. But, you know, you mentioned the leather and the kink community. That's I've appreciated, you know, the, the kink, the BDSM leather community because of the languaging around yes. sex, giving people vocabulary as well as creative outlets. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's something that, you know, we, we get we kind of think so tunnel vision about, you know, the BDSM and stuff is like, oh, I'm not. That's just I like vanilla sex. It's like, well, I'm not saying go get yourself tied up, whipped and, you know, flogged for the next hour, I'd say have a conversation where you're at least exploring some options beyond what you've been doing for the last right. 30 years. I mean, I, I, I mean, okay. So I was married for 13 years to a woman before I came out, even though that I was like, I know I'm, I know it, but I just couldn't get there. And so then I moved from traditional, like, okay, I, traditional top like this. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'm at total top and all that. And then suddenly I'm like, wow, when I look over like where I am now, it's like, I'm so not like traditional, mm-hmm. like it's got to be this way. And so mm-hmm. no bitches, I'm not saying I'm full on bottom, but it, you know, it does get explored because I'm realizing as I move into who I am, more of who I am, regardless of kidney stones and erectile problems and all that sort of stuff, the pleasure of it finding who I am is almost as exciting as the actual freaking act of sex. Yes. Because you can find more, you can find something else to do. It's, it's kind of like the joke in our own community. It's like, did you know they're both bottoms? What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you don't know. They you can have know. a lot of fun. You just have no idea. So, right. uh, <laughs> so if somebody wanted to be a part of get involved with your group, how would they do that, man? Uh, well, you know, amazingly, people have found us just by Googling gay prostate cancer support group. Our group comes up. But we also we have a Facebook page and we actually our little tagline is e- equip equipment, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to equip mm-hmm. men. Uh, but and that's where our Facebook our label comes from. But we do have our Facebook page, I mean, under equipment and the also the uh, Smith Center for Healing here in, awesome. in Washington, D.C. has, has our link. And, and to us they the don't have to be local, right? They can be they involved no, in this from that's all over the, the beauty, space. The beauty, another silver lining of the pandemic is that we've been able to have mm-hmm. folks involved who are not local because they're seeking out support. One guy yes. from Las Vegas, he said, I couldn't find anybody. Your group came up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we're glad of it, glad of it. But I, but I do understand that uh, there was an article in the New York Times where 
Um, there's a support group apparently in Palm Springs that someone has developed. Um, there's a doctor in uh, Chicago, a urologist, who's got a study looking specifically at gay men and uh, urological issues. Um, so there's a conversation that's happening now that we think there's an awareness. You know, we as a community have dealt with HIV for so long, we forgot in some ways, well, not forgot, but that's been our focus. So the other priorities in around health have kind of taken a backseat. Now we're older, we're surviving, and these who other you, things are you, coming into who play. Who you calling older, girlfriend? <laughs> I, was, I was talking we like French. <laughs> okay, got you, got you. I was gonna say, girl. And, and that in and of itself is just one of the, another reason yet I feel like, you know, I'm 58. I've never, okay, I, I'm going to tell a little white lie and then I'll tell the quick story before we wrap up here. I've never been one that's been bothered by age until I turned 50. Mm. And those who've listened, eh, those who probably listened to the podcast may have heard this story before, but when I turned 50, my oldest daughter was going to college. Mm. My youngest daughter was going into high school and I turned 50 all within like a four week period. I freaked the fuck out. I, and I don't know why. I don't because I've never been that person. Mm -hmm. But then all the other stuff started coming along with it. Like, okay, you know, the prostate exams were more frequent. And then, you know, the kidney stone stuff started acting up a little bit more. And then, you know, <laughs> you start forgetting shit. And, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. and I feel like this is our moment to like really start leaning in and finding community because gay or straight, this shit isn't easy. But again, right. even... And I know in the dementia Alzheimer arena, same stuff's going to come up. Mm -hmm. It's going to come up because if you're in a gay relationship, you can go to all these others, but there's, oh, well, well, how is your wife dealing with this? Well, it's not mm -hmm. my wife. It's my husband, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm single and gay and I don't know where, you know, so I love that you're doing this number one, and that this kind of becomes quote the model for creating community around any of these things that we as gay men start to contend with as we age, you yes. know, and sure. just beautiful, beautiful. So um, we will have, for all of you listening, we'll have the links to the Facebook groups for Kenneth and just truly invite you to like reach out and, and be a part of this because support is support and you never know where just a little bit of support could change your entire day and really make it worth your time. So Amen. anything else you want to add before we wrap up here, man? You know, I'm just glad, glad to be a part of the conversation, you know, and, and, and encouraging others to talk about it because there were, fortunately for me, I was blessed that a couple of people that I knew, you know, were open about their own situation. Yep. And, and that just, you know, made a big difference for me. So thank God that others, you know, hopefully are, can hear it and reach out to so yeah well and the other thing too is just continuing to do this i think this does become the re repeatable like hey there mm -hmm. could be lots of different groups for lots of different things you yes. know oh yeah plus i mean I, i'm gonna be honest guys you can't see him all you're hearing but he's a handsome he's a handsome dude so you know hey nothing wrong with being part of a support group where the leader's pretty handsome guy. So just saying, oh, thank you know, you. yeah. So, well, as, Hey, as bald guys, we got to stick together. So hey, push each other's agenda. I mean, let's do it, you know, <laughs> but anyway, well, Kenneth, I have so enjoyed this conversation again. I love what you're doing. I love the thank support you. you're providing. And I, I, I like that it's carved out, you know, and this isn't about, Oh, it's just 
about the gays. Well, it is. Sometimes it's okay to be just about the gays because mm -hmm. there's such a different world that we contend with, you yeah. know? And even if you're partnered and your partner's going through this, it's a whole different conversation. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that if this conversation was happening, you wouldn't even be able to go to the hospital with your partner and be able to do anything about Amen. this, you know? So, uh, but anyway... Well, thank you again for a wonderful conversation. And again, everyone listening, we will have all the connections to connect with Kenneth, his group, and get the support that would help you the most. So have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for 40 Plus. Gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.